Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. Previously, we had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Abdullah Abiyadi. And Dr. Abiyadi of MyClinic.com shared some information, some very exciting information, about MyClinic.com. Something that we've all become used to over the last year and a half plus is telemedicine. Dr. Abiyadi is in the studio to expand on that topic with us. Thanks for having me again, Sam. Let's talk about future. Uh, we have all seen what has happened with the pandemic. Where do you see the future of telemedicine going in the next year, five, ten years? I think in the next year, it's a case of both clinicians and patients acclimatizing themselves with the technology. Um, but I think from the demand we've seen here in the UK and even more so in the US, you can see that this is a much more convenient way to communicate for the majority of the patients with their day-to-day -day ailments. So I see this becoming more and more established in the next three to five years. And I think when you see the level of funding that's going into this as well, and the takeovers which are happening, especially by large organizations such as Amazon, Apple, the Facebooks of this world, all of them are trying to crowd into this market as well. So I think that we're just at the beginning. I know that uh, speaking from uh, the United States perspective, one of the, the biggest hurdles has been in the monetization sector, reimbursables. Uh, telemedicine has been on that fine line of reimbursables. Where are we now and, and where will it go from your perspective? I think people are still trying to set what they think is a fair reimbursement for a telemedicine service. In the UK, we don't really have this um, issue, if you will, because the NHS, the National Health Service, is for free for everybody. But if you certainly wanted to go for a private option, the payment setup is that it's cheaper to go for a telemedicine appointment than a face-to-face -face appointment. And I think overall, the same should happen within the US as well from the insurer's perspective, because if the medical problem can be managed over a telemedicine appointment it's much more quicker much more efficient there's many overhead cost savings that are occurring there so these savings should be passed on to the patient as well and onto the insurer and it wouldn't be fair to charge them the same would it be feasible to have uh, a practitioner offer this as a concierge service where they pay a monthly fee and they access yeah, so that's exactly what the payment model of myclinic.com is at the moment. So it's a subscription model. So any clinician out there who has uh, a urge to get into the telemedicine field or they've noticed that their patients are demanding a telemedicine solution, they can easily sign up to our products such as MyClinic. Uh, there's other ones out there that are available as well. And essentially on a monthly contract, they're able to deliver our technology solution uh, to their patients to accommodate that kind of relationship and communication. Now, a tough question, and maybe not that tough, but uh, if I'm a clinician and I'm pinching the pennies, I'm going to perhaps say, why would I do this versus just doing uh, a patient visit via Zoom? So I think it's about the level of professionalism that you want to get across as a clinician. So I always say this to my colleagues as well. Um, 
you know, if you've got a, a doctor which is fumbling about with their equipment, you kind of lose faith in them. And when you see a doctor who is doing a video call over Zoom or Microsoft Teams, you do question whether this is really a professional outfit. Zoom has had its security issues in the beginning of the, of the COVID pandemic as well. And when you have a dedicated telehealth system which is HIPAA compliant in the US or GDPR compliant in, in Europe, then you gain a sense of confidence that this is the right environment to be in. I mean, our, our software, for example, is web-based. You don't need to download anything and it's a virtual waiting room. So even from the clinician's perspective, it's not joining Zoom link after Zoom link after Zoom link or having multiple patients enter the same consultation at the same time, which would be very awkward and unprofessional. It's a virtual waiting room where the clinician can connect with each patient whilst they wait there, as you would in a normal physical waiting room. What is your plan to take this model and continue developing? Where will you be looking next? I know the United States certainly uh, is an open market. Where are you going with it? I mean, and and I, I want to interrupt because I don't want you to give away uh, any uh, any information that might uh, compromise the business plan. But what can you tell us? I mean, from our perspective, we are being used in over 78 countries around the world as it is. And when we started my clinic, it was more to facilitate the ongoing demand that patients have to speak with a clinician and with COVID restricting patients and clinicians from seeing each other, we just deployed this completely for free worldwide. When we saw the uptake and the continued use of our system, we then realized that it was actually commercially viable uh, to push harder with this. We have a real effort at the moment with psychologists in the US as they, there appears to be a few sectors of healthcare which have been overlooked by the telemedicine uh, big players, if you will. And what I would say on an international level, including in the UK, is that there is such a uh, large playing field that there's still opportunities to get involved and to corner an area of the market, which we're trying to do. We, uh, America's Best Urgent Care, uh, looked at a, uh, a profit model that we had to hit X number of patients per day, the patient per day count, uh, relatively high, but uh, we found the right demographics to locate clinics. From that perspective, one of the most profitable areas was occupational medicine. How are you approaching that occupational medicine segment? So we have quite a few users of, of our telemedicine service for occupational health. Uh, one of our biggest users is actually a wheelchair uh, company based in the UK, and they're managing to do the assessment around the home using our MyClinic telemedicine system. So this is really beneficial to, to remove the need for somebody to go around the first time round to get a general understanding of what the accommodation is like and what the individual's abilities are like as well, so that they can provide them with the necessary equipment for them to continue living and enjoying living in their own home. So it, it has taken off in that stance. I mean, the, the, the challenge we have as a company is trying to promote these positive stories and the changes it's made to people's lives so that other specialties, occupational therapists who may not have heard of us before, you know, through your show, such as the Great American Senior Show, they realize that there are actually solutions out there that they can use from now. I know that uh, here in the United States, uh, the, uh, the budget has been set aside uh, through the CARES Act to spend approximately $239 million uh, on senior care alone. 
is there a feasibility that through a mobile device or a transportable mobile device that you could, if, if, I'm, if I'm practicing here in the United States, that I could find a way to qualify for some of those millions of dollars by even uh, remotely taking uh, your system into seniors' homes where they could be given a wellness check using this system? Yes, I mean, it'd be difficult for me to comment on on the ability to obviously get access to those funds, but I, I think it's a very simple, straightforward, and you know, obvious use case. You're trying to get through a large number of patients in a single building where your assessment is based on looking at their respiratory rate, listening to what their carer or the nurse is saying in terms of the equipment, what their blood pressure, what the oxygen, what the temperature is like, and making very easy decisions there. So you are, you are essentially providing a, a, an improved care to what is currently being experienced. So typically speaking in care homes, the doctor is not called until something is wrong. Correct. And I think there could be a much better arrangement here where the doctor could review all of the patients at least once a week to pick up on anybody which is starting to trend down or, or st starting to struggle and then they can filter through those patients and then start to target the ones that actually need a face-to-face -face appointment so i think there's def definitely you know it, it speaks of all of the ways that we're practicing at the moment where the technology is never the rate limiting step here it's the bu bureaucracy it's the logistics it's yes. the rethinking of how we deliver the actual healthcare. That's the, the rate limiting step here. With your my clinic operations reaching out more into the community, uh, I could I could foresee a situation where uh, even getting back to a normal flu season, influenza-like illnesses uh, could be monitored. Could you see? And, and I don't mean this uh, jokingly. Could you see your system being almost like a uh, a sentinel chicken that gives the warning sign when the mosquitoes are swarming or whatever it might be uh, to the medical community to say, hey, we're noticing a spike in things here and relay that back to the government officials. Yeah, so it's an area that we've actually um, been interested in and delved into, I'd say, for the past year and a half, two years. Um, we also looked for funding to uh, push the kind of research that we were doing here in terms of remote monitoring. So one of the biggest issues we have in healthcare, which I think is the same in the US as you've experienced with this pandemic, is a lack of hospital beds, especially for senior patients. Yes. And we wanted to develop a system where those kind of patients that are improving could be sent home in the comfort of their own home and have the carers sent to them or have somebody uh, with them and through remote monitoring, we would be able to establish, are they all stable in their own homes? Now, the key here and where, where we wanted funding for this, and unfortunately, we haven't got it yet. So, so we had to pause, is trying to implement some artificial intelligence or some AI into the system. So if you imagine you have 26 patients you've sent home, we'll label them A to Z. Is it efficient to go through their homes, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, until you find that actually patient T and patient X are actually unwell and should be sent back into hospital. And using a combination of artificial intelligence, which is looking at trends, noticing patterns, realizing that these guys are the ones, you know, if somebody's clearly unwell, they're going, and if somebody's clearly fine, they're staying, but it's the ones on the fence that you want to pick up as soon as possible. And the artificial intelligence in combination with the telemedicine would say, I would advise that you go review patient T and patient X first. If you've reviewed them and you think they're stable to stay at home, 
fantastic. And then carry on with the rest of your list of A to Z. So there are definitely these kind of technologies and these thought processes which are coming into the industry. Actually, here in the United States, many of the healthcare coalitions that uh, I have been familiar with over the last uh, six months to a year are really tightening up uh, on the hospital readmission uh, procedures. Uh, the the various uh, Medicare, Medicaid uh, funding is tied now directly, and it's going to be changing even more in June. Uh, it's changing based on uh, a facility's readmission rate. High readmission rate means that they're not necessarily doing a good job with the patient. Uh, this would seem to be something that if it's deployed in the field for those facilities, they could still be serving the patient while reducing their readmission rate. Fair assessment? Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. And I think, you know, again, the frustration I have with healthcare is you have all these fantastic ideas which would be ideal for a pilot or a trial. And I think we just need to get out there and do it. You know, let's find what the problems are with what we've just been talking about. Let's see where the gaps in the infrastructure are. You know, we're assuming that the clinicians will, you know, pick up on the telemedicine use and the patients will engage with it. Maybe there are some learnings. Maybe there are there is some heavy lifting that needs to be done somewhere else. But until we actually engage, trial these things, we're never going to learn or move forwards. If we have clinicians, practitioners, who want more information about what you're doing, how may they go about that? So I would say I'm a very open person. So if anybody wants to contact me directly, um, my email address is very easy to remember. It's simply abdullah at myclinic.com, and I'm sure, Sam, you'll you'll share it as well. Um, If people want to find me on LinkedIn, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn, Abdullah Albiati. I think it's quite a unique name. Um, But if you want to come directly to our website, uh, myclinic.com, I would just encourage anybody to use the website, sign up for a free trial, download our free ebook, and you know try experiencing it yourself. And the best bit is when I get feedback from users because we do implement the feedback all the time. We've had a massive number of dentists that have used our system, and we've changed so many features to accommodate them, which then kicked off the diabetic doctors in the UK that said we didn't like some of those features you implemented. So we implemented some other features to sort them out. So, you know, the more feedback we get, it's it's music to my ears. That leads me to my very next point that I know that there are people who are listening to our podcast today that are exponentially smarter than I am. And I would like to call upon them and a special challenge. If you have a need that could be fulfilled by this type of technology and it doesn't seem to be addressed at this time call get in touch with the doctor and let him know what that challenge is i'm a firm believer that unless we are challenged constantly we never really succeed so i I hope that you join me in in issuing that plea Uh, and again they just go to your website or contact you directly Yes, completely. And, and yeah, I mean, there's, it's a saying or a quote that I, I live by. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always get, what you've always got. And, and I think that's really true. And you, know, you have to try different things for a different outcome. Again, thank you very much for being our special guest. And with the time difference, I know that uh, sometimes it's a little hard for us to connect, but uh, the door is always open. And don't be surprised that periodically I reach out to you and have you back on. And uh, we plug this into some of those professional networks. Brilliant. Thanks again for the opportunity, Sam. My pleasure. I'm Sam Yates with the Great American Senior Show.
And that's the way our program ends. 